Awesome. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. <sighs> right. So, <clears throat> as I do most evenings um, when we're together, I'm going to improvise tonight. Um, I never liked listening to Dharma talks that were written out, um, that were like scripted. Um, and I don't have any interest in, in doing that kind of thing myself. Um, it means that the talks sometimes get beyond meandering. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a price I'm, um, I hope you are willing to tolerate because I think it, it tends, I think, to produce more moments of authenticity and freshness. Um, and so, um, so tonight, you know, so what I do is I don't come in completely, you know, blank. I, I come in with some thoughts about where I wanna go. Um, and tonight, I think I'm, I'm organizing what, I'm, what I'd like to talk about under the the categories of stillness and movement. Um, and, um, and the way that awareness connects to both stillness and movement. Um, let me start, I think, with the, the, the stillness. We're, we're gonna sit before too long. I mean, I know the last few weeks we've been sitting right at the beginning. Um, but actually tonight, I want to say a few things before we sit, because I, I know I, I want to frame what we're going to do when we sit tonight, which is actually going to be a little different. Um, so under the banner of stillness, I think I want to address the, um, you know, the, the very traditional instruction that's usually given to people when they learn how to meditate at Zen centers. Um, which is that once you start sitting, don't move. Um, and this is a kind of instruction that used to be just, you know, given in almost all meditation training centers. A lot of people, including myself, as you, those of you who've been here a while know, have softened on this um, and um, invite people to move when they feel like they need to. Um, but I actually think that the traditional instruction is still valuable, even if I'm um, on, you know, like genuinely soft in my application of it. So I wanna speak about this for a second because it, it connects to something very you know, important about what it is we're do when we're sitting. Um, so, you know, when you, when you, so traditional instruction, you sit, you engage in some kind of practice, you know, following the breath, maybe you're labeling thoughts. Um, and one key thing is when it comes to physical posture, once the sitting begins, do not move no matter what. Um, and you may feel a pain, you may feel some itchiness, you may feel psychic distress. And the instruction is just don't move. Um, so I think the reason 
that this instruction is given and the reason it's worth considering adopting in your own practice or at least experimenting with adopting um, is because by not moving, even at times we're uncomfortable or in pain or just really feel like we need to move for whatever reason, by not moving at those moments, um, we are giving ourselves opportunity to become aware of the impulses that would drive us to movement, make them objects of awareness, and um, in a way to disentangle impulse from action. You know, so you feel like this kind of like, I gotta move, and you don't. And you know, if you always move when you have that kind of impulse, it'll be a very tight link between desire and action, right? Um, and when you sit, it may not seem like that big a deal. Like, okay, so what's the big deal? I'm just sitting, right? So like, what happens? So what if I move, if I feel uncomfortable? You know, why not become, why not sit in a more comfortable position? But it's the same kind of close link between impulse and action that when we feel irritated with a person, lead us to blurt out something that we might regret saying to them. Or when we um, see the thing, whatever it may be, the, the chemical, the food, the whatever it is, that, or the television or the phone or whatever that we want to engage with, we just will do it, right? We'll, we'll have that drink. We'll, we'll take that drug. We'll, we'll turn on the TV, right? We'll eat the next Dorito. Um, and so sitting is a safe setting in which to test what it's like not to let impulse lead to action and to really study with curiosity um, and in a fine-grained way what it feels like to have an impulse or a desire and kind of real like urge and not to give into it. Um, again, not because there is something inherently virtuous about sitting still when meditating. This is not about what meditation should look like or about being a good meditator. Um, you get no points for being good meditators, right? The point is how this connects to other things in our life, which cause ourselves and other people suffering. Um, and I think all of us have our own versions of these impulses, which we enact somewhat unconsciously, somewhat automatically, which it would be interesting to, to see what's going on and by seeing with clarity, be more able to choose whether or not to engage in that behavior or not. Um, so, so that's one reason why I think that traditional instruction of don't move once you start sitting is valuable. 
Um, there's another reason. It's kind of related to this, but um, it's uh, it. I, 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 there's a slightly different way of, of thinking about it, which is that you know I think it can be easy to have an idealized picture of meditation practice as if like we're learning certain techniques and as we practice, we get better at them. We get better at following the breath. We get better at noting our thoughts. We get better at sensing our sensations, right? Um, but there are times and anyone who sat for even a moderate amount of time, I think will know what I'm talking about when you may at times be very good at doing the methods, but some sittings, God help you, you know, it's like impossible to even remember what following the breath is like or what it is to know that thought clearly, or, you know, you're just lucky to just not get up off the cushion and run away because it's just, you don't feel good. Like, you know, it just, it feels like you just feel like crap your inside is swirling with like a lot of inchoate, unpleasant feelings and thoughts um, and sensations, and you just wanna walk away. And by not, by just sitting there, something happens. And this is where I think explanation kind of stops, you know, it's, but I think the way I would describe in a very loose way, what happens is that you are producing like a container or a holding space just by being able to endure, persevere through a sitting and not be pushed away from the very, you know, the practice. Um, it's almost as if like there's this, a, 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 just ability to hold whatever your experience is without being, knocked over that increases in strength the more you just don't move or walk away and in fact even like i think just like sometimes you just even moving like maybe you can't you like you just oh you know you just like you just whatever you moving is even okay just as long as you keep sitting you know but ideally sitting without moving and so um and it's not because you know, you're, you, there's, it's too much of a swirl to even label thoughts. They're just like rushing. It's just a cacophony, like a, a torrent of thoughts that aren't clear. You can't pick any out. All you know is your body feels like crap. You know, um, you feel tight and just enduring and sitting over time, over weeks, months, years of doing this you have increased ability to hold and not be overwhelmed by your experience. Um, there is a kind of strength, a psychic strength that comes from knowing that you can endure, but also a spaciousness that begins to grow up around what you hold in that kind of space. And again, not because you're doing the method correctly, but just the perseverance alone. Um, So there are times when, you know, we are sitting and we're labeling and we're following the breath 
and it feels like we're doing something, right? And we're doing it, we're, sometimes we get better at it. We feel like some of the benefits of being able to stay with the breath. And we feel the fine grain texture of the breath and nose, and we start to feel more absorbed. All and the method seems to like work. But there will be times for any serious practitioner, for any human being, when the experience is just very, very difficult and it will feel hard to take. And enduring and persevering through that, just sitting through it creates a container um, that will serve you powerfully and well um, in other moments of your life. Like when, you know, you have the urge to engage in a very self-destructive behavior, you know, for example, and um, let's say you have an addictive tendency. Let's say you have, you're a uh, bulimic, you know, uh, let's say you're, you really want to shoot up, you know, and that it's, it's going to be like, no, no ordinary human beings can be able to like label those thoughts clearly. And like, you know, just like be with them in the kind of like ordinary way we talk about practice. It's just, there's going to be a need to sometimes just have the fortitude to persevere and be with these incredibly powerful energies that want to pull you in a certain direction and for you to be able to just hold them and be with them. So those are two things that stillness give us over time. Um, now, having said that, you need to be smart and you need to be your own person in deciding when enough is enough or too much is too much. We each are different individuals. We have different tolerances. We have different histories. So if you feel like you know, well, first of all, physical injury, obviously you don't go that far. I mean, I, I know people who've like pushed sitting so far that they've injured their knees and their backs because they take so seriously the idea you should never move. I mean, that's ridiculous, you know, that's, um, and so that's obviously too much, but there, there are inner limits that each of us has. I think we need to have sympathy for. And so, you know, I think we love to have black and white instructions, like, you know, just know, you know, Bernie said, or this other person said, just don't move. So I'm never going to move. Right. Um, and, you know, we love to have authority figures that we can like rely on to tell us what to do all the time. Right. You must rely in the end at the moments when it counts most on your own gut and your own heart. And if you feel like, this is too much, I need to go for a walk, I need to stop sitting, or I need to just engage in fantasy for a while, do it. Um, people who've been in this group for a while will remember a story I told about Joko back. You know, Joko, who is one of the most hard as Zen practitioners I think I've ever known, right? Um, still knew that there were points when you just didn't want, you should not push it too far. And she said, sometimes when it got too much, I mean, you know, she had a lot of shit she had to deal with. She had um, uh, a husband who had a psychotic break and tried to kill her, right? And he had to get institutionalized. And, you know, I mean, there were like, there was like really difficult stuff that, she, that would come up um, in her sittings. And so when it's too much, 
I had this island I would go to in my mind. And every time I visit this island in my mind during like retreats or during sittings, I just decorate it a little bit more, add another detail to like the, you know, the, the what's hanging on that wall or the, 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 the landscaping around it. Um, so I don't think I, I've, I thought, I think Ezra's the only person I've ever met who's actually as hard ass as, as, as Joko is. Um, and he, you know, the way he put it is like that advice of Joko is so good because what it's saying is like, do it intentionally. You know, like if you're going to move or if you're going to go into fantasy as a break from what is too much, at least do it consciously. Say like, this is too much. I'm now going to move my body and then be aware as you move, or I'm going to engage in this kind of few minutes of fantasy to give myself a break from this experience, which is really, really hard. Okay. So, um, you know, what that limit is for each of us is going to be different. And I think that's where I think the guidance of a teacher can help. So um, those of you who have teachers who you study with, um, this is something to talk with them about. I am not a teacher, but I'm, if you don't have anyone else to talk to, I'm happy to talk to you. But this is like, you know, so I have a feeling a lot of you aren't bumping up against this limit all the time, but I think all of you will at some point. And those are the kind of moments where it's good to have someone to talk to. You know, is this too much? Um, okay, I'm gonna pause there. And then now, um, any, actually, any quick questions about this, this, this stillness and what I've said so far, because it's actually already a lot. Okay. So um, movement. So um, by a weird train of events, I, I've begun to think about Feldenkrais method recently. Um, I was actually, it's it was like, it was totally random. It's like, I was looking up a book that I might use in a future class by a poet, John Brem, who's written a book about how the study of poetry, reading of poetry can be a form of practice, Dharma practice. It's really wonderful. I'm thinking of like creating a new class and that will include that book. And then I looked up his website and it turns out that his wife, um, Abby something, I forget, I'm blanking on her last name, is a Feldenkrais practitioner. Um, and and then I looked up the website, I started looking at Feldenkrais stuff and a lot of memories started flooding back. And when I was at Snow Mountain Zen Center, um, 1989 to 1992, and living there as a resident student, we had the really good fortune of, of having someone in the community who didn't live there, but came to retreats regularly who was a student of Moshe Feldenkrais, one of the first generation of, of teachers that Feldenkrais himself trained. Um, and I forget this guy's name, but I remember during retreats, sometimes in the afternoons, there would be this moment where we'd sometimes pair up and we'd give each other back rubs or we'd do Qigong or do some kind of body work or this or that. And sometimes he would lead us in Feldenkrais practice, awareness through movement practice. And, you know, I think it's actually one of the most important things I learned when I was at the Zen Center. Um, and I think this last week of thinking about Feldenkrais, re-engaging in the practice, and, and it came back, it came to me like, 
it, it sort of welled up in me an appreciation of how important it was that as I was learning how to sit zazen, I was also being exposed to Feldenkrais's version of awareness through movement. So that's how now, so I've talked about stillness and I'm gonna talk about movement now. And we're actually gonna engage in some Feldenkrais-like movement practice as we move into a sitting soon. So, um, so Feldenkrais, um, I'm not gonna give some big bio and stuff, but um, actually here, I'm gonna share screen here. This, uh, this book, The Brain's Way of Healing, there are two chapters on Feldenkrais method. I recommend them, they're mind blowing. Okay, um, so uh, chapters like five and six are on Feldenkrais method. Um, and Norman Doidge is a guy who has been at the forefront of like the state of neuroplasticity. And, um, and he, he profiles people who have um, used Feldenkrais method to um, uh, treat people with strokes, cerebral palsy, um, autism. I mean, it's incredible what um, just using movement awareness practice can do. So, um, so what Feldenkrais method is, is just a series of very gentle movements where all one does is be aware in a curious, inquisitive way about how those movements feel, both the, the parts of the body that are moving and other parts of the body that we discover through awareness are connected to that movement. Because it one of the you know one of the things you discover, I think most of you discover this already through meditation, is that you know the mind and the body are one and the body is a whole. You know, all the different parts of the body are connected. So you move an arm and part the way you can move that arm and stay balanced is that even things in my the opposite side of my body in my leg are activated, right? The lower back. So all, all the different parts of the body are connected. Um, and so a Feldenkrais um, sort of practice is where someone guides people, often verbally, through very gentle and often slight movements, like rotating the head slowly from straight ahead to left and feeling how that feels in the neck and then in the chest in the lower back um and that's it so you know all of you on this call have done body scans before that's basically all it's like you're just doing body scan like awareness while instead of being still like we do we have done on tuesdays you are engaged in a slight movement and seeing how moving slightly affects how that and other parts of the body feel. That's it. It's just awareness. It's not stretching. It's not exercise. It's not, it's not actually trying to change anything. It's just slight movements and an awareness. That is it. And then with the person who's leading the practice, um, you know, maybe offering some cues that like, so feel this, maybe just, how does it feel there? Just like I do with the body scans, right? Um, so what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna um, 
begin our sitting with a few Feldenkrais-like movements. I'm saying like, because I have a feeling Feldenkrais is like got a serious copyright trademark. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not a trained Feldenkrais practitioner. I want to make clear on this recording that I'm not claiming to be, <laughs> and there's no money being made off this. So um, in any case, um, I, think they, I think they do a very good job, understandably, of taking care of the guild of practitioners and making sure that no one like steals the name. So, um, but I'm actually, I want you to know that what I'm about to do tonight actually comes from vivid recollections of doing these kind of movements on the floor of the Zendo, at Sonoma Mountain Zen Center. And I have to say that I think that the session, the Feldenkrais sessions we did during those retreats there have left as deep and powerful a memory in both my body and my mind as anything else I did during my three and a half years living there. And I actually think that the movement practice fundamentally shaped how I approach the awareness of the breath and like walking meditation and other things as well. And so the reason I'm sharing this is not actually to share like Feldenkrais practice for its own sake, but it's because I think that this can feed into a deepened awareness of just what it is to feel the body during ordinary non-moving zazen or sitting. So that's, I just wanna make clear, this is feeding into sitting practice. Um, but just in a way like, you know, I'm sure some of you do yoga, some of you do other things, right? And all can feed into this practice. So this is another thing that I want to put out there as something that can feed into it, okay? So um, we have about half an hour, awesome. So instead of talking a bunch at the end, I talked a lot at the beginning, but I want to frame like you, because we're about to do things that are gonna seem like really weird, I think, to the people who have no idea what this is about. And I just wanna like explain that there's a, there's a method to this, this madness, okay? So um, I, you know, ordinarily we would do this lying down. You know, a, a, a traditional Feldenkrais practice would be done like all of us lying on yoga master blankets, you know, on our back. And if you feel like in your back's iffy already and you want to go for it, but just so that I think, I think this will work fine uh, sitting up for us. I'm gonna just only do things that will work well in this position for us tonight. Um, we're gonna do a variation of the practice that we did a few, like a month or so ago where you open your jaw wide, okay? So, um, but we're gonna do with the kind of Feldenkrais cues. So if you feel self-conscious about looking like this on your video screen, then feel free to mute your camera. <laughs> um, but perhaps you could also like note the thoughts that feel self-conscious. <laughs> so um, in any case, okay. So um, so let's uh, let's just start with, I'm sitting now, like I sit on a cushion, maybe some of you are sitting on the floor or bench. Okay, so my knees are up. Okay, so I'm not sitting cross-legged right now. We're gonna sit cross-legged in a bit or, um, um, but just sit with your knees up so that your elbow can be supported by your knee, all right? Um, if you don't want to, yeah, I think that's going to work for most people. If you're, okay, so um, so this is going to be a slight, just gentle movement of the hand, the right hand. Actually, it could be either hand, doesn't matter which hand it is. And just be aware of how the movement feels and no force, we're not stretching, we're just moving and being aware 
of how the body feels as we move. So let your fingers drop like this. And then slowly move your hand up like this. And in both positions, when the fingers are down and up like this, let your fingers be in the most natural relaxed position, whatever that may be. So for some of you, maybe the fingers will be out like this. For me, it feels natural and the least strain to have the fingers like sort of gently curling in. Bring your awareness to the sensations in your palms. Feel the sensations in the fingers. And slowly, gently turn your hand so it's once again dropping. And just feel how the hand feels now in this new position. Feel the space between your fingers. And then gradually, gently, and slowly move your hand back to the upwards position where the palm is facing up. And see how the fingers move naturally on their own. And just keep doing this slow back and forth from the position of the palm facing up to the palm facing down. And as you keep moving slowly, super slowly in this way, let your awareness expand beyond just the hand to feel the sensations in the wrist, and in the forearm. In the elbow. And even farther up the arm to the shoulder. Okay, now let's please get in the position that you'd like to use for sitting meditation, whatever that is for you. And you get back into a cross-legged position.
and just do a quick initial scan of the whole body, feeling the sensations in your feet, your legs as a whole, your thighs. Feel the sensations in your buttocks, the contact that your bottom is making with whatever you're sitting or resting upon. Feel your lower belly. Your lower back. The area around your shoulder blades. The center of your chest. your throat, the back side of your neck, and just do a loose quick scan of the sensations in your head, forehead, crown of the head, jaw muscles, tongue, lips. And just feel the presence, the physical presence of your body as a whole, sitting or lying here. And I think you can follow these directions without looking at the screen. I think they will be so simple that you'll be able to just follow my verbal instructions. Because I think looking at the screen may distract you, but feel free to, of course. But I think you should feel free just to keep your eyes closed and just attend to the inner sensations of this practice. So right now you're looking straight ahead I mean, your eyes may be closed, but your face is pointing forward. And super slowly, some Feldenkrais practitioners like to describe it at the pace that the sun moves across the sky, though maybe that's an exaggeration. But super slowly, begin gently turning your head to the left and just feel the sensations in the neck that are associated with this movement. And then Gently and slowly bring your head back to a forward-facing position.
And then now, just as slowly, bring your head to the right. Anytime you feel any resistance, any tightness, should go even slower. Let your awareness explore the sensations of tightness or holding, resistance. This is just gentle movement, no force. And then bring your head back to a forward facing position. And just keep doing this, turning the head left and center, then right, then center for the next few minutes. And I'll offer some cues as we continue with just slow, gentle movements, left to right. As you continue these gentle movements, how far down your back and the muscles that run up and down either side of your spinal column, how far down your back can you feel the impact or the influence of these movements? How does this turning of the head feel in your chest area or your throat? As I say so often when we do body scans or even breath following, see how textured or fine-grained your awareness can become of the various body parts that are connected to this movement. Your sternum, breastbone area, can you feel anything there connected with this turning of the head? How about in the abdomen, the belly, upper and lower? How about in your hip joints, in your pelvis, can you feel even if just subtle sensations, any sensations associated with the turning 
of your head. Please keep turning your head the way you are. When your head is all the way to the left, with your eyes still closed, move your eyes all the way to the right as if you're trying to see something over your right shoulder. And when your head is turned all the way to the right, turn your gaze with your eyes closed all the way to the left. So your eyes are now moving in a direction opposite to the way your head is turning and see how that feels both in the eyes themselves. Also further afield, just exploring with curiosity. Remember, this is not intended to produce any particular effects. It's just awareness practice, just like a moving body scan. Just think of it like that. Next time you bring your head facing forward, bring it to a rest there, and we'll transition to the next movement in just a moment. Until we do, just feel your breath in the nose, the chest, the belly. Listen in an open way to the sounds in the space around you. Now please bring your awareness to your jaw muscles where your upper and lower jaw bones connect. And just feel the sensations there. If you encounter any tension, soreness, achiness, soften your awareness around those sensations. Let whatever you find just be. Try to soften the mind around it. Bring your awareness to your tongue. How is your tongue situated in your mouth? Do you feel any tension in the tip of the tongue? the middle meaty part of the tongue. The back end of the tongue where it disappears down the throat. What sensations do you feel there? As slowly as you turned your head, I would like you to begin to open your mouth. We're going to end up opening our mouths as wide as we can, as wide open as we can. But please be gentle. 
many of us carry a lot of residual tension in the jaw muscles, and this is not a time to force our mouths open. When you encounter holding, tightness, pause, slow down, and feel that tension. And ever so slowly and gently, see if you can open your mouth nice and wide. How does opening your mouth wide like this make your jaw muscles feel? Your lips. What do you feel in the throat as the mouth opens like this? And now gently, softly, begin moving your lower jaw, left and right, super slowly. And just feel the sensations associated with this movement as the wide open mouth and the lower jaw moving side to side. Can you feel any sensations in the chest? They're connected to this movement. or the belly region. Let's explore with curiosity where you might find surprising sensations connected to this movement. Maybe in the lower back, maybe the neck, who knows? When you feel ready, let your mouth slowly, gently close. Begin breathing in and out through the nose. And we will now sit for six or seven minutes, just feeling the breath and listening to sounds in the environment around us.
Okay, take your time coming out of the sitting. Open your eyes slowly when you're ready. Reconnect with the space around you. So that was a little imbalance, a lot of talk, not, you know, sitting at the end. So. Um, I think more than enough talk from me, so I'm gonna just open the floor if anyone wants to say anything, ask anything, share anything. How did you guys like some of those movements? I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay, Lee, okay, cool, awesome. I find it more, this is Sylvia. Hi. Hi, Sylvia. Um, I've been um, breathing with movement since I've been dancing. That was my dance. So for me, breath and movement go together really well. And um, yoga is where I am now. And I find the, it's much easier for me to focus my mind and still my mind when I am moving and it can be just as slow as you did, um, like the walking meditation that we do with Teach Nat Tan mm. is that kind of very um, introspective, thoughtful, present in the moment movement. And uh, I think in a way it is the most accessible, accessible way to meditate, to still the mind, is with movement. Um, so I loved it. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Sylvia. And, and a lot of times it's come up, you know, how to practice with really, really difficult sensations, you know. And I think, you know, I've walking meditation and are things I've encouraged, but this could be also a thing that someone could put in the mix. Also, um, the, the training the head side to side, so easy, right? Like you guys now like know it. Um, do it, do it lying flat on your back on a yoga mat or blanket. And it's just amazing, you know, what you can just, just it, it, every movement is different. The sensations are just different. And um, it's fascinating. Um, it's also like, I think some of my talks recently have been pretty grim. 
I don't know. I don't, I've been focusing on some of the, the harder side. And, you know, it's like practice is not actually supposed to be grim. I don't feel grim about practice. Um, I think I just try to be descriptive. Like sometimes it's hard. I mean, and if you don't think it's supposed to be hard, then you start thinking something's wrong with you. And that's part of the reason I, I talk about how hard it can be. But this is a kind of gentle, actually even pleasant kind of practice. And it should be actually like pleasant, at least some of the time. <laughs> Anyone else? Actually, I want to say, so oh, um, I want to introduce Jeremy. Jeremy's a friend from the um, West Coast. Um, man, decades long Zen practitioner. Anyways, he's uh, a friend and it's nice to see him here. But actually, I, I want to share something that came up in a conversation I had with him about Zazen, um, I don't know, a year or so ago. And it's that when people start out sitting, they often think of zazen as really still and almost kind of stiff, like you're like a statue. But the deeper you go into sitting, you start to realize it's actually very supple and fluid. It's like you're not actually still. It's like it's just you look still, but it's like it's 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 the it, the body is free and moving. And I think this these Feldenkrais movements can be awareness or movement can be a way of of, of introducing a little bit of dynamism and flow into sittings, especially when they start to feel stiff because you're maybe dealing with emotional stuff that's tightening the body up, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's not stiff because we're trying to be stiff. It's stiff because often there's holding or tension. It's natural for it to be a little stiff, and it, it, but it softens with time. And I think these movements can sometimes, just like when you do a body scan, you start to, you bring your awareness to some part of the body you've never really even been aware of and suddenly something releases. You know, it's like that. Some, some move, this movement can suddenly just, it's not even because you're trying to relax. You just go, oh, there's a holding there, which I can now let go of, having been aware, become aware of it. Um, okay. Well, I'm happy to hang if anyone wants to talk afterwards. Um, but um, next time, I mean, and I, I might do some of these a little bit in the, in the future, um, but it won't require this kind of framing. So this is the, it's just because it's the first time I want to talk a little bit about it. Um, and I will send out some of the, the titles and information um, about Feldenkrais that I mentioned in passing today, if anyone wants to follow up, because I think there is really deep practice. Um, and um, okay, really, really, really good to see all of you. Take care, everyone.